and my wife. Live to tape. Welcome to Millennial Season 2, Episode 38. I'm Andrew. I'm Elisa. I'm Laura. And I'm Matt. I heard last week's episode, um, heard what you said about me, about my photo with Bruce Springsteen. I gotta say, I didn't really appreciate it too much. Yeah, shut uh, up. You knew, we were, you knew we were spot on with that. I, I did like the line about flying too close to the sun. That was funny. <laughs> we try. But, but but people but people are saying I look high and stuff. I don't know what you're talking about. You're like, yeah, I'm high on life. I'm I'm very happy in that moment to be touching Bruce Springsteen's ass as he caresses mine, but I wasn't I was not literally high. There was a okay. look there was a look of euphoria on your face that most people only get when they've taken opioids. And <laughs> I think it was that far off out-of-body experience sort of look in your eye. Yeah, yeah. I think that's fair. That's a fair assessment. So, uh, I got some questions. So, how many... How many outfits did you go through before you picked that one? Before you met <laughs> I, I did. That's a good question. I did bring two button-down shirts because I was deciding what, what to wear. Uh, and I was also deciding on my jacket until the last minute. I'm glad I stuck with it because we are matching. So, as couples mm-hmm. do. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I was I was surprisingly good in the moment and leading up to it. I thought I was going to have a panic attack or something. I would not put that past myself. Um, and I ended up being completely fine. It was it was very surreal. Um, the, the problem, the the issue was the anticipation, the anticipation, as I chronicled on this show, two weeks leading up to it, I had many questions about how it would turn out. And I was just I was just very nervous. Uh, so I was extremely relieved once it was over, so I didn't have to worry about it anymore. <laughs> and that's probably why so I wasn't say to him? upset. Yeah, so what was the conversation? <sighs> so, I mean, you know, it, it moved very fast. They're moving a lot of people through there. But so they they have you ready. They, they you know, um, I stepped right up there. I went straight in for the hug. And thank God for Apple's iPhone or uh, Apple Live Photos feature because they didn't take a picture of the hug, but the live photo uh, took, took got got like the back half of the hug so that was great um and you know <laughs> i re- i know i specifically said uh you mean everything to me and <laughs> and because i was deciding I, what is so funny what is so funny he does no it's not no that's not that's not fair guys. you mean but everything to me that's Andrew, that's something that most people say to their intimate partners no. of like a decade. Yeah, well, okay, I've never said that to true. any it's intimate partner. Decade. Yeah, I've, you have I've, been a fan of him for a decade. Look, I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan. I'm not even going to get into this or defend this. Uh, but the I was, why I thought it was funny was because <laughs> I know that go to hell. True. I'm getting know, off this episode. I know episode. that's true. That you actually like. <laughs> feel that way towards him yes he is everything towards him. <laughs> what is so funny i don't know this, this is the best moment in our friendship you don't know it yet <sighs> you haven't figured it out yet but this is the best moment in our friendship okay all right <laughs> it's so, so, true. so i oh, said that to him and you know and uh i may have said something else i honestly can't remember and then we took the picture and then i love you he said thanks for i i tried to you know i was the i wanted to say i, I love you <laughs> 
well, <laughs> which sounds funny now that Lauren and Lisa are laughing at me. But like, I just kept when I was deciding what to say the two weeks leading up to it. I just uh, in the final few days, I just kept settling back on you mean everything to me. And it was quick, easy, and I knew I could get it out. So so that was that. Did he have any kind of reaction other than, you know, thanks for coming out and obviously like, you know, grabbing your, like a your genitals? Back. Uh, yeah, you know, he did. Yeah. He 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 did uh, say when I said, you know, you mean everything to me. He kind of chuckled a little bit and said, oh, thanks. And then uh, we took the picture and then. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Then he called me gay. But it was really it was really <laughs> quick, though, right? Yeah, it was a, it was a quick moment. A moment. I mean, you know, he's meeting a thousand people in like two or three hours. Um, <clears throat> but it was good. That was all I needed. I didn't. I didn't need any more than that. Was it a Barnes and Noble? No, it was Powell's Bookstore, which is the biggest independent bookstore in the country. And I was mesmerized by this place. It was the coolest bookstore I've ever been to. Um, anyone who's been there knows what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, so that's that. That's my moment. Fuck you, Elisa and Laura. <laughs> you mean everything hey, to me, Andrew? Yeah, and guess what? Yeah, I'll never be saying that to any of you, or even Mike, or even my parents. There's only I... one person who means everything to me. What, Laura? I... <laughs> I don't. I don't think I have words. Let's just move on. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Tweet me. Well, Bruce Springsteen aside, in actual news, uh, Hurricane Matthew um, caused some serious devastation, mostly in Haiti. This has actually not been covered very much, I feel like, in, in the news. I think everybody is, has, is so wrapped around the presidential election that this has made very few headlines. Obviously, everybody in the U.S. knows that it did hit the coast, uh, the East Coast, and it hit Florida. Most people, though, reports are saying are fine. Haiti is not fine. The death toll, as far as we know it currently, is a little over 900 people. Imagine Jesus. if that happened in the United States. 900 people. It would be front page headlines for a month. 900 people dead in Haiti. And there's been a massive cholera outbreak because the hurricane has destroyed their infrastructure, ripped up a lot of sewage. And because of still water lying on the ground, infectious diseases like cholera can spread a lot easier. So Haiti really needs some serious help and serious attention. And I think we wanted to draw that attention to a couple particular organizations doing great work down there, namely UNICEF and Oxfam. Uh, were there any others, Laura? Um, we actually have a list of Haitian organizations. I don't speak French or Haitian Creole, so I'm not even going to attempt to butcher those names. But we can provide those um, with, the sh with the show notes. Well, yes. Yeah, so that if well, you if about, you would like to give directly. What about the Red Cross? Ah, uh, yeah. So recommendations are saying to steer clear of the American Red Cross because they royally fucked over Haiti after the earthquake in 2010. Uh, rumor has it, and it's not so much a rumor at this point, that they raised something like half a billion dollars and only built six houses after the earthquake. Well, yes, where'd the, the rest the of that problem. money go? <laughs> Darn it. That's In the question. Some, someone's pocket. Probably, I mean, the American Red Cross has a fairly credible history, but it doesn't mm. matter. People were giving to the American Red Cross for Haiti, and that money wasn't being used for yeah, haiti so 
would would avoid the American Red Cross. I say American Red Cross because there are lots of different Red Crosses. There's the Canadian Red Cross, etc. Those mm-hmm. are all fine. They're 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 separate organizations or separate branches. Uh, but in any case, we'll put a link to these organizations in in the show notes, and we'll post it to the group and what have you. Um, if you're able to help financially, if you're able to send anything, please do. No one else is a natural disaster was Christopher Columbus, and yet somehow we all just were forced to celebrate Columbus Day. Yeah, I what? wasn't. I believe I I learned the uh, rhyme in high school. 1900, 1492, Chris Columbus directed Harry Potter 1 and 2. It goes something like that. Why is that was a, wh- a national, that was a, that was a tragedy in a different way. Yeah. That, <laughs> well, well, that's a debate. That's another holiday that we're forced to celebrate. Why is the real Columbus Day still a thing, though? It's, it's not right, right? Well, it's, well, first of all, just from a historical standpoint, it's fucking stupid because he didn't even know where he landed. He thought he landed in he thought he landed in India. You want to know what pisses me off is when you go to D.C. right outside of Union Station, there's this elaborate sculpture of Christopher Columbus with two Native Americans kneeling beside him, looking up at him like he's a god. And I'm like, that is um, revisionist history at its best because that's not <laughs> I how I love that podcast. That's just not how it fucking happened at all. It's also it, it's. Apart from the fact that he was a heinous human being who condoned, like, literal rape and pillaging of native villages, like Laura said, he was just bad at his job. Like, can we imagine if any of us were so terrible at our jobs that we showed up to the wrong building and thought we were in the right one and just started doing and, like, started, like, like stabbing people? That's that's basically what what he did and we revere him i can't figure it out i can't figure out why i guess it's the columbus day sales people just want another excuse to have a sale well and it's a big deal in schools too from what i remember it's a federal holiday let's be clear about this columbus day is a federal holiday so when i say that you're forced to celebrate it i mean that nationally it's a recognized day i don't it's a bank holiday you get the day off from school I think at the state level, though, they're not forced to recognize it because by the time I was in middle school, we didn't recognize Columbus Day anymore. And I went to public school. I don't think you're forced to recognize it in so far as you get the day off necessarily. I think you're just forced to recognize it like on paper. Like, And there's also there's also some um, there's also cities throughout the country that have chosen not to celebrate it or call it a different holiday, like National uh, Day of. Uh, indi- indigenous people or right. natural yeah I well, don't know I wonder specific. if like those Columbus Day sales just involve like people going into Sears murdering all of the attendants and taking stuff for free we people running that. in and being like I've landed in India <laughs> like you're in Sears but they're like no seriously they th- we, like they think that they're in Best Buy and like they're like <laughs> I I think this is best by no sir you're in like Macy's right now I don't care stabs him in the face kills everybody in sight takes shit and leaves like and, and then, then everyone celebrates and sucks him off because and we all celebrate it yeah <laughs> that's what happened yeah Christopher well, Columbus was a fuck stick let's just be clear about that so that was Monday Columbus Day do you know what today is we're recording Tuesday October 11th National Coming Out Day 
Laura, anything you want to tell us? Um, well, today is also the last day to register to vote in Georgia. All right, it's fine. Everyone can come out when they are ready. That's <laughs> okay, absolutely Laura, it gets, the message. It gets, it gets better. I heard Donald better. Trump came out today, though. Yeah. Um, so this morning, and we will be talking about Trump later. It's been a very exciting week. Um, he <laughs> sent out a very exciting tweet. He said, it is so nice that the shackles have been taken off me and I can now fight for America the way I want to. I what has he been doing before? That's true. Well, some people have to, it takes a while to come out of the closet. And and as I wrote in the millennial group today, may anyone in the closet find the same courage that Trump did this morning to break free of the suppression you've been facing. Be your true self, Laura. Never let anyone hold you back when you're ready to come out. I will say one thing that I have in common with Donald Trump is I do feel like Paul Ryan holds me back from being <laughs> yes. who I want to be. Um, yes. So I can sympathize with him on that one. Probably not the Laura, best choice of like words, we've... shackles. Yeah, though. we revered and we've championed you, Laura. You yeah. are our champion. Well, before we Paul get... Ryan. I'm sorry, am I fighting in the Triwizard Tournament? What's happening? <laughs> before we get into Trump, uh, we have some listener feedback. Yeah, so last week we talked about, and hidden from the headlines, that France had just banned plastic utensils and plates and etc. But the big plastic, big plastic industry is appealing this to the European Commission. And there's some there's some kerfuffle about that. Maybe the EU is going to sort of dictate the terms to France here and tell them that they can't enact this ban. Uh, Nina said uh wrote us in about this and she says i'm not situated in france but as a law student who's specializing in eu law i wanted to comment she writes basically the eu adopts law which means when agreeing to be part of the eu a state also agrees to follow the law that the eu adopts and this is why that there is a eu parliament it is not them the eu that adopts the law it is us the european union that being said, as you very rightly pointed out in the latest episode, a lot of people and states are starting to feel like the growing impact of the EU is compromising to the state's sovereign rights and ability to adopt the legislation they feel works best for them. While the EU can strike down legislation in a country for not complying with EU law, it is not done by the Commission. Usually the Commission will firstly criticize a law adopted by a state, for not complying, and if it's not changed, then the Commission has the possibility of taking up the case before the European Court of Justice. The EU is and has been very progressive in supporting green initiatives. That's important to point out. Um, skipping ahead a little bit here, another central thing, Nina writes, is the principle of the minimum protection standard in environmental protection that the European Union has taken a minimum standard approach Meaning what is set out in, the, in EU law concerning environmental protection is considered the minimum standard. And individual countries that wish to go beyond this standard are free to do so because environmental protection is in the interest of all of us. So cleared up a little bit about how this might play out logistically. So I guess the commission, what I'm gathering from this is the commission, the European commission doesn't have outright authority to overturn it. But they can criticize the law and take it to the to the EU courts if they want to. It also sounds like it's a long process. Like right, and it would have to go through like two hearings, at least. 
and and this is probably one reason that <clears throat> Brexit happened that because they don't they because the UK doesn't want to deal with shit like this. Right. Envi- the vi- environment? Oh, no, oh, I mean because, going oh, yeah, to the EU and she writes well, she also says her assessment at the end just concludes that she thinks it's pretty unlikely that the EU would would strike down France's law. She's like she says even though that there's a whole movement of goods argument to be made by the plastics industry that traditionally environmental protection has been prioritized by the eu so hopefully this turns out well okay let's move on now to dumpster fire 2016 (laughs) everyone get on your knees and pray This is just so epic. Sorry, I'm not turning it down yet because it's just so great. It should just be okay. in the background of every presidential debate Yeah, from here on out, I think. That's yeah, well, I especially have. the final Shut one. It. Jeez. Oh, my so, God. It should have been in the background when Trump was, like, creeping behind Clinton at the last debate. Did you guys see that? <laughs> yeah. Yes. But it he was, was, like, slouching over, too. And, like, his, his he was, like, eyes were all glazed over and he was sniffing a little bit. Or a lot. Uh, yeah, the sniffing was back. So we're going to start this week with the tape. We all know what tape I'm talking about. I'm going to play a little sample of it. Uh, this, just in case you don't know by now, um, tape was leaked to the Washington Post in which we can hear Donald Trump talking to Access Hollywood host Billy Bush about some very inappropriate things. Even though he was mic'd up and he didn't realize they were recording, I guess. And I moved on her very heavily. In fact, I took her out furniture shopping. She wanted to get some furniture. I said, I'll show you where they have some nice furniture. <laughs> I took her out furniture. I moved on her like a <laughs> but I couldn't get there. And she was married. And all of a sudden, I see her. She's now got the big phony and everything. She's totally changed her look. She's your girl's hottest <laughs> in the purple. Whoa! Yes! Whoa! Yes, the Donald Escort! Whoa! Oh, my man! Wait, wait, you gotta look at me when you get out and you're like, this up. You're giving a thumbs up. Look at you. You are a pink. Thumbs up. You gotta get the thumbs up. Can't be too happy. Can you get yourself first? Yeah, let me. It's very funny. You gotta give me the thumbs up. Are you and I will walk in? Maybe it's a different one. Better not be the publicist. No, it's, it's her. It's yeah, that's her. With a gold. I gotta use some tic tacs just in case I start kissing her. You know, I'm automatically attracted to beautiful. I just start kissing them. It's like a magnet. Just kiss. I don't even wait. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. Whatever you want. Grab them by the. P- <laughs> I can do anything. Look <laughs> at those legs. All I can see is the legs. No, it looks good. Come on, shorty. Oh, nice legs, huh? Oof, get out of the way, honey. That's a good legs. Go ahead. It's always good if you don't fall out of the bus. So, of course, there's that whole moment. And then right after, as, as if this wasn't sickening enough, right after Billy Bush encourages Trump, encourages the woman they're meeting to give a hug to Trump and then to Billy himself. Which is just so vile after knowing everything they just said. 
Um, so that's yeah, also because if you've ever been a woman in that position who's being coerced into having physical contact with a man that you don't initiate any kind of physical contact with, you know that discomfort. And it's just Donald Trump is just a vile, repugnant, lip dick, lip dick, excuse me, man raisin of a fuck boy. Like, I just, I can't even, when I hear that tape, it pisses me off so much. I think, I know this has been talked about to death the past few days, but something I feel like is really being missed not so much by those with whom I tend to agree politically or even necessarily the media, but by Trump supporters and apologists is that these were just words they're saying that, that Hillary Clinton and Hillary Clinton's husband has, have, have committed terrible actions that what Hillary did was a crime and et cetera. And that this was just quote locker room banter and they were just words. I can't, I, I can't emphasize how important it is to call bullshit on that. These were words that were describing actions. They were mm -hmm. just words, sure, but they were describing actions taken. And it's really critical that when we hear anything that is oppressive or misogynistic or bigoted in any way, that we just call a spade a spade. And what Trump is describing with his words is sexual assault. When he says that he can get away with going up to a woman and grabbing her by the pussy uh, and, you know, even just saying I moved on her like a bitch, but he can get away with grabbing her by the pussy and I just start kissing them. I don't even wait verbatim. What you're saying there is I have a really cavalier interpretation of consent and I just sort of do what I want and no one really stops me because I'm famous and the cameras are rolling. And I manipulate those situations to my benefit and to put women in terrible, horrible positions where I'm effectively assaulting them. That's what he's saying. Point yeah, out. he's. A, I mean, when Full he stop. was talking about the woman that he was, you know, trying to, you know, was was coming on to, she was a married woman, and he knew that, and he said multiple times that he even he still went after her like a bitch. And yeah, he took and her furniture shop, like all this shit that he's saying he did. Like not saying just, like what I would do. It's not locker room talk. Yeah. Let's also just clarify that a lot of people were really upset because Donald Trump said the word pussy. Okay. Can you, can you problem, stop saying that, please? My daughter's watching this. Fuck you. The problem is that is not that he said pussy. If the tape had come out and he had been like, oh, yeah, I fucked this chick and she had a really nice pussy. That. You can totally write off his locker room talk. The problem is not the language itself. The problem is, as Elisa said, what the language is used to describe. And that is the fact that he is a sexual predator. I've also, also the, the whole term locker room talk. He wasn't in a locker room. He was at fucking work. He was on a job. And he had a microphone That's on him. I was really shocked that at the debate, he kept with the locker room talk thing. I thought they were going to have something different in store to defend it. But yeah, mm -hmm. it really is a, a a a terrible defense, and it's an insult to athletes everywhere. <laughs> and and the 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 common response to that has been, I've been in locker rooms, I never hear stuff like that. And they're right. Yeah, I agree with you. It's it's Donald Trump dickhole talk. That's that's what it really is. Um. So of course Donald this. Tr 
Mm-hmm. Go ahead. And, I'm sorry. Go ahead. This was going to get him. This got him into a world of trouble. It was Twitter. Friday afternoon Twitter had never been so lit. Uh, it was just eating up the internet. Um, a lot of people are, and and the polls began to slide. Um, people are still talking about it practically nonstop um, online and on 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 the news. It it is probably it was fine. The, the fascinating part about this is that we finally found the tipping point it took a tape of donald trump saying these horrific things for people to finally realize that yes this guy cannot be a president um of course a lot of people already knew this but hopefully it convinced a lot of undecided voters and i think it made some people in the gop realize it of course a lot of people have been withdrawing their support for trump big people including john mccain um i mean it was so fun watching as as all these people they were dropping their support like flies for a good 24 to 48 hours then the debate happened and things kind of tamed down even calmed down even though he didn't have the best debate performance but what really though pisses me off though about all that stuff that all the things that he's that he said in the past were not a tipping point enough because there was a way for the gop to kind of misconstrue it and kind of bend it to say like oh that's not what he really meant what he was saying was so and so and all that shit but this there really is no way to you can't really save yourself from that conversation because it's you it, it it's it's such an insult to half the population of the entire world and, and right. it's so People vulgar everywhere. and insulting something well, else I've... the thing go ahead I was going to say the thing that really, I think, struck me about this and a lot of people was that it seemed like the tipping point was that he said something that was offensive to a group of people that also included white women. Like nothing that he said before about minority groups or different religious groups seemed to matter to anybody. But then you had people like Representative Jason Chaffetz of Utah getting on the phone with CNN and being like, yeah, I can't I can't get behind this guy anymore because how could I look at my 12-year-old daughter in the eye and tell her that I supported this man? It's like, well, how could you go back and look your constituents in the eye and tell them that you supported this man? Fuck right. How could he have done it before? Right. At this, exactly. this entire time. The tipping point has been... As someone with a daughter, as someone with a right. wife, as someone who has f- female family members, I am offended. Uh, but you're absolutely right, Laura, and I and and it annoys me every time somebody prefaces their their withdrawal with as a father, as yeah, a as a husband. person with yeah, as a How father, just as a person, sisters. I, I'm repulsed. Well, yeah, or not? Well, every fucking person has a female relative. No, but right, that's we all not came the out of one. Po- that's not the point. The point is that you should be care. You should feel empathy for for everyone. You shouldn't. When he said those things about about Mexicans way back when he, the day he started his career, about Muslims, like everything has been offensive. And yep, the white women toppled him down. It was I think the tipping it's point. That, I think it is relevant though to point out that that this was the tipping point. Uh, for political reasons, because yes. women, women aren't, you, you know, Muslims, for example, are a very small percentage of the, of the, of the United States citizenry. And so if you say something heinous about Muslims, yeah, what's the worst that could happen to you politically? You lose 
X, you know, a few hundred, a few thousand votes in your district, that's the worst thing that happens. That's a gamble. It's a risk that they're worth, that they think is worth taking. If you insult women, that's 50% of the population. There's not a party on the planet, at least, well, there's not a party in the United States without, there's not a party in the United States that can win without 50% of the population. And so it's a risk versus reward gambit. It's, it's a math equation. It's okay. There's only X number of Muslims or people of color, uh, et cetera, et cetera, in my district. So if Trump says something awful and heinous about them, I don't necessarily need to lament that. I don't need to speak out against that. If he says something about 50% of my constituents, well, now I have a political problem, don't I? And I think that that speaks to something really fucking rotten in the contemporary GOP right now. Because what that really translates into is we're okay with you being a bigot. We're okay with you being racist. We're okay with you shitting on Muslims, on African Americans. We're okay with all of that, so long as you cut our taxes. Or at least say you're going to. (laughs) But the minute it becomes politically inconvenient, now we are aghast. And we're shocked and so disappointed. Really? Have you watched your television for five seconds this election? And not to mention, he was already doing bad with women. So this was just mm-hmm. an even worse situation suddenly. And now, I mean, if you look at some recent polls, <clears throat> the NBC Wall Street Journal poll had him down had him down 11 points in a four-way matchup. In a two-way matchup, I believe it was 14 points. Uh, another poll today said he was down nine points. So it's just not looking good for him now following the debate. And we haven't even gotten to other missteps, including that leaked tax return that that saw him. Did you guys talk about that last week? I don't think so, right? We did, yeah. Oh, you did? We did. Oh, okay. Yeah we, yeah, we did. Um, Yeah, the other thing to bring up in terms of polls is if you look at 538, Hillary Clinton's chance of winning, looking at uh, the polls plus forecast, is 79.9%. And um, so York- he's he's looking pretty fucked. The New York Times one has him even up higher. I know I mentioned this on an episode a, a while ago. Um, their who will win page. I'm just bringing up the latest numbers. <clears throat> uh, Hillary has an 88 percent chance of winning, according to the New York Times is who will be president page. Trump with 12 percent. So that's uh, that's, by the way, almost the highest since the end of August according to this report so yep hillary's grabbing him by the pussy in the polls yep i'm gonna grab you by the pussy when when she wins to celebrate women equality are you gonna run up to me and be like you mean everything to me and then grab my pussy (laughs) no i'm definitely not saying you mean everything to me but uh with your permission i will grab your pussy okay i'll think about it yeah, that's a perfectly acceptable caveat. I'm okay with that. And because oh. he said that, because he made that caveat, you now have my permission. <laughs> if only Donald Trump in the video had said, with her permission, I grabbed her permission. I mean, the entire, the entire controversy is null and void at that point. It's like, okay, well, fuck it, go for it, yeah. bro. Yeah, sure. Why not? She gave me permission. She told yeah. me. And, it was okay. And, and Billy Bush, by the way, has been in a world of trouble as well. He's been suspended from the Today Show, and it looks like he's currently in negotiations to leave NBC. I had no idea this turd sandwich was even on TV. Like, I didn't even know this guy existed. 
Yeah, he's and been... I can't believe that he's been on for over a decade. Yeah, I mean, he's been around for a while. He made headlines when he was defending Ryan Lochte over the summer. And uh, him and Al Roker were going head to head about whether or not he did it. So, yeah, he he's is like that act- kid in high school who tried to who was just friends with the popular jocks and just repeated everything they said. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You tell him <laughs> he's going to get it. Well, of course, with with these sagging poll numbers, it's just looked very, very bad for Trump and and um, Republicans have been getting desperate. There was an amazing moment on uh, Don Lemon's late night CNN show. I want to play this clip because it's absolutely hilarious. I'm not expressing on Friday and Saturday saying we can't support Donald Trump. You this think is a Republican. Well, I think that they confirm the uh, impression of so many Americans that professional politicians are just like rats fleeing at the first sign of trouble. And that's exactly what they were. So they may be hurt by this. The we'll first see. sign of trouble? At the first sign of trouble. How many? How many times do we have to be But I want you to make another point, Go too. Because I, I abhor lewd and body language. I don't listen to rap music. I don't like that kind of thing. What? But Hillary Clinton, when she expresses... Wait, wait you said rude and body rap Body language. I thought you said rap music. Body. I did. I mentioned yeah, rap music rap, because rap it's music. full of the F word, the P word, the the B word, the A word, the... I don't all, think anybody... Listen, I gotta say, I don't think anybody likes that, but those people are not running for president. Yes, but I wanted to point something out. Okay, go ahead. And which is that Hillary Clinton expresses that she finds the language on that bus horrific, but in fact, she likes language like this, quote... I came to slay, bitch. When he f me good, I take his ass to Red Lobster. Did she say that? That, that happens to oh, be a Beyonce line from Beyonce. That. Yeah, I know that's her Beyonce's favorite performer, whom she says she idolizes and would like to imitate. <laughs> so you know what I'm saying to you. There's so this woman is arguing, and I love that Don Lemon laughed in that moment. That Hillary has no room to talk because she likes Beyonce, and Beyonce talks about taking his ass to Red Lobster. Yeah. <laughs> So it's so it's so pathetic. It it I mean I wonder if she did stretches before reaching like that. That's <laughs> such that an unbelievably such terrible parallel. It doesn't even make any sense. I mean, notice how Beyonce like nothing in that lyric. By the way, first of all, it's an irrelevant comparison. But even if it were relevant, nothing in that w- lyric is an admission of sexual assault. I, why can't they get that through their heads? Because they're so desperate to they're they're grasping for straws. They're stretching, as you say. It's it's really entertaining to watch, and it's it's so embarrassing. I, I think really that like... also you're looking at a population of people who just generally don't tend to believe sexual assault victims. They yeah. tend to lump everything sex related into one um into one sort of basket and view it as all being one and the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they I, it, I, and I it would, just depends on who's which side of the party's doing it. If it's on their side, they're going to protect it, saying that's not what happened. And if it was the other side, they're going to they're going to say how deplorable it all was. Right, as evidenced by the fact that Donald Trump brought alleged rape victims to the debate, just going to show that Donald Trump and the Republican Party apparently support rape when it's convenient to their argument. They w- they paraded it. They wanted it to turn it into trash daytime TV. Yep. And it didn't I do want help. to point out that maybe the most, maybe the worst part about this leaked tape 
is is not what it does to Donald Trump with the campaign or, or or even to this election more generally. The worst part about it is what we have said about Donald Trump and his campaign before, which is that in this case, it's normalizing sexual assault. Donald Trump, the worst part about his entire campaign has been that I mean, he's going to go away. Donald Trump will not live forever. He's not going to become president, in my opinion. And great. Okay. That doesn't mean that it's over, that his impact won't be felt for a generation, because it, we're, we're going to feel this. And the way we're going to feel it is by him normalizing outrageous, outlandish remarks, like let's ban Muslims, uh, referring to people of color as my African-American. And now by admitting sexual assault and trying to play it off as though it's just locker room banter. That is that's diminishing sexual assault. What he's doing is normalizing rape culture language and he's making that acceptable. And we shouldn't just be afraid mm -hmm. for our women. We shouldn't just be afraid for how that's going to impact our women. We should be afraid for the number of boys and young men that are hearing that and thinking, Oh, this is, this is acceptable. Like so long as I can, diminish it and just say well hey it's just lewd comments they're just locker room talk then what's the problem we should be afraid for them and for their moral compass because he's completely he's completely normalized all of it yeah and another thing to bring up is of course that's already happened and already been happening um somebody on twitter put out a tweet in response to this whole videotape controversy and said you know women please respond to me with a description of your first sexual assault. The first assault that was committed against you. And this woman got millions of replies from women talking about being molested and raped as young as four up into their early adolescent years. So it's already happening. I just... Uh, that's the part that sickens me most is that these people are shrugging off these comments, not thinking about mm -hmm. people who have actually been through this. And those people are many, many are, I hate to use the word struggling, but the, having this dug up again, having these memories dug up again, while people are also at the same time shrugging off what Trump said, it's, it's horrible. It's yeah. So, Let's touch on the debate a little bit. Um, it was a town hall format. It was honestly sad to watch. It was just hateful from the get-go. Um, we mentioned that Trump brought four of Bill's accusers there. Um, the tape was brought up at the very beginning. Um, it, it, Hillary did not attack trump as much as i was expecting i thought this was going to be a really big opportunity for her to bury him on a national stage after the horrible week that he had had but she i don't know i just didn't feel any big home runs out of her whereas i thought the first debate there were several several home runs um what did you guys think was it a strong performance for her I thought so, given the constraints of everything that she had to operate within. Um, I think the one thing that we need to consider is that Trump responded to this whole video thing by pivoting and trying to make the narrative about how Bill Clinton is a rapist and how Hillary Clinton allegedly destroyed the lives of his rape victims and having a big press conference with 
um, with the rape victims right before the debate and then bringing them to the debate and sitting them in the audience. So it was going to be really hard for her, I think, to really go after him as hard as we would have liked because as you notice during the debate he was just going after her and really trying to bait her and force her to defend her husband i thought she did a really good job of not addressing anything related to that because you know that if she had tried to defend rape her husband of of being accused of rape that they would have played those clips again and again, and again over the next four weeks. And she didn't want that, neither did her campaign. Mm -hmm. So I think she did a really good job of pivoting away from that and trying to stay on the issues. I also really liked how it was a town hall, and she actually made an effort to engage the people asking the questions, which he didn't. So I thought it was a strong performance for her. I think that he um, exceeded expectations. I mean, considering yeah, that yeah, ex we expectations for him were rock bottom, you know, yeah. make it for, that way. We, well, but we didn't know how how far the bottom could go. Honestly, <laughs> right. He managed to exceed our expectations. For example, yeah, I don't think. Oh, go ahead. You you mentioned the, the pivoting. He also pivoted off the tape by bringing up ISIS <laughs> and other issues yeah. facing the country, uh, which was pretty, pretty funny to watch because it was just way off. <laughs> Well, he kept arguing too with uh with the uh with the debate uh, moderators that they weren't uh, you know bringing up the stuff that he wanted to blame on Hillary about like her emails or about ISIS, and he was complaining that he wasn't getting enough time, and he was completely wrong in that. And he paced around the stage. He was fucking his chair at one point. Um, yeah, Hillary didn't have <laughs> Hillary didn't have to do anything really. Like she didn't have to sh uh, like torpedo and and just destroy him because we've seen that if you just don't antagonize him he will do it to himself mm -hmm. and that's exactly I, what happened trump trump succeeded in this second debate for no other reason other than the debate managed to get the tape out out of the headlines for five minutes that was inevitable though that wasn't that wasn't a genius move on his part uh, he didn't win on points or on substance. I just think that it was a success for him because for about five minutes there, people were talking about the debate and some of the shenanigans going on at the debate and not constantly replaying that that tape. So I think that was a success for him. I think that this is also the first time we've heard Donald Trump apologize for anything this entire mm -hmm. campaign. Which should tell you something about the gravity of of those comments. Um, but but this is the only time we've heard him apologize, and so I think that objectively, obviously, that was a good thing. Um, I mean, it doesn't mean jack shit, but at least he did it. I, but I want to point out to me the most shocking part of the debate, and I feel like we've all become so numb and desensitized to this kind of bullshit from him, but we shouldn't be. Donald Trump at one point threatened or suggested that if he were president, that mm -hmm. he would put Hillary Clinton in jail. In jail. Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned that, too, because that, I think, has been glazed over a lot. Far too much. I mean, Hillary Clinton much. said, she said, you know, I think it's a really good thing that we do not have, you know, a Trump presidency or, or Trump in the White House and what have you. And Donald Trump turned around and said, yeah, because you would be in jail. 
I can't emphasize how shocked and horrified we should be by that because that is the kind what you're talking about there is the repression of your political opponents. What you're talking about there is jailing your political opponents. And I understand what his personal rationale is. He thinks that she did something heinous with the email scandal and she deserves to be in prison. But the justice system disagreed. And you can be upset by that, and that's fair. But the justice system is the justice system. For someone who's running for president, the top executive office in the country, to suggest that they would supersede the justice system, that they should be more powerful than our courts and will jail their political opponent regardless of any verdict issued by our courts, is something that we would expect to hear from, like, fucking Pol Pot. That's some shit that we would expect to hear from North Korea. That's not anything that we should be desensitized to here. I, 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 can't, I, just, I don't know how else to emphasize it other than you don't threaten or even joke about jailing political opponents. That's real fucked up shit. That's dictatorial shit. Yeah, and it wasn't just the illusion that he made. He actually said at one point, if I win, I'm going to assign a special prosecutor Mm -hmm. to try and put you in jail. And I agree, Elisa, with everything you just said. But the one reason, in my opinion, that he's doing it is because it's porn to his existing base. They love hearing Trump say stuff like that. And he repeated these same things. Uh, in at his rallies in the two days since the debate, people just have a huge boner for locking up Hillary Clinton. We've seen it in in mass since the convention, maybe even a little before that. Um, but yeah, it's it's really sickening, and it's just one of many reasons why I can't wait for this election to be over. Because I'm I'm hoping that the GOP is going to really learn from it th- their mistakes this time. <laughs> Uh, they said they were going to do it after Romney didn't work out for them. A whole, you know, reshuffling. This time they have to. They can't let this happen again. Yeah, but make, that's make also super delegates. I don't care. Do what you got to do to to have to have Romney like people on the ticket every time. And that sounds great to me. <laughs> but what what scares me though about this, especially now, we're hearing it more than ever that the GOP is scared that uh of, of what because of what trucks because because yeah, of, of what he's sign yeah he signifies he's not he's the, not a, he does not represent the gop and and the down ballot voting is fucked um that's why paul ryan has now said i can't defend him anymore everybody do what they got to do to to save their their seats well fucking <laughs> paul ryan says he's not, he, but he still has not rescinded his endorsement yet until he like, hasn't, another but let's tape talk comes about out. this he, he he hasn't, but let's talk. This is this is an important takeaway, I think, to wrap this entire fucking shit fest up. Is the number of people that are in fact unendorsing Donald Trump or uh, suggesting even that he shouldn't be on the ticket anymore? Maybe emergency measures should be taken to get him off of the ticket. Um, we're going to talk more about that in After Dark, I think, actually. But mm-hmm. but for now, I think it's worth noting that John McCain unendorsed him officially unendorsed him i think as of last count it was 14 uh, members of congress have unendorsed him uh, and paul ryan hasn't uh officially unendorsed but he has said that he can't 
defend him anymore and that he's going to focus instead on keeping their majority um in the house so that's what is yeah, that he already he already knows that the senate is a lost cause it's unprecedented to have yeah. to have to have this many leaders of your own party disavow uh, yeah. their own nominee I, I think when we talk about witnessing history in this election this is exactly yeah. what we mean this is why I was glued to the TV all weekend. Uh, I mean, and quickly, I just want to mention that even Glenn Beck is supporting Hillary at this point. That's how freaking bad it's gotten. And well, he's, now, still, he's he's thinking about it. He didn't say he was, but he's on the verge. No, I think but, he called Hillary the moral ethical choice, which sounds like a pretty good endorsement to me. Um, and of course, all this backlash has naturally, as he has done every time there's backlash, caused Trump to get even crazier. This morning, he sent out a few great tweets, but this was the best one. He said, and, and like I mentioned at the top of the show, it's so nice that the shackles have been taken off me and I can now fight for America the way I want to. We were joking about it earlier, but I mean, this basically implies that he at this point is going to continue deep digging deeper because he's got like the African-Americans in the uh, inner cities, in his words, nothing to lose. <laughs> he's got nothing to lose. And so I don't, he's just going to take the party down with him. That's, that seems to be what's going on. I mean, he kind of already did when he got the nomination. And he's going to continue doing it. They've taken themselves down. Yeah, it's their fault. Don't, yeah, yeah, don't be like, mistaken. He didn't get there. This, they aren't he didn't victims. get there by himself. Right, exactly. They did this to themselves. You made your bed, now lay in that. Yeah, that's why I find it so funny is they're saying bed. like they're just gonna they're they're going to distance themselves from him. He's on his own, but he fucking wasn't. All right, let's let's um let's let's focus on some positive news now. Elisa, can you start us off? Yeah, so I wanted to cover this and hint from the headlines. The world isn't actually doomed, guys. We joke about mm -hmm. that on the show a lot. Sometimes we're not entirely joking. Um, but I, I think it's worth pointing out, this election has made me realize that it's really important to actually report on stories and, and facts um, in the big picture. Uh, not just what's happening on a day-to-day -day basis, but step back and look at you know the country or the world as a whole. And by that, I mean this. Uh, Vox recently did a new poll of Americans showing that 69% of U.S. voters think there's more crime in the United States today than there was two decades ago. Almost half of voters said that there is much more crime compared to two decades ago. And that's just not true. It's actually false. There's far less crime. In fact, um, crime as a whole is, is at its lowest point in the United States since 1966, and violent crime is at its lowest point since the 1940s. So we're doing okay, actually. And I it's... think it begs the question, though, why? Why does everyone think that the world is burning and that crime is is off the charts when, in fact, it's, it's historic record lows? And I think the reason is because we're much more connected. I think yeah, it's because like, that's exactly what I was going to say too. It's my. Thoughts. I think it's because we have things like, like twenty-four hour news coverage, and we didn't have that in the, you know the eighties. And I think it's because we have social media, and so we're all 
always constantly tuned in and connected and engaged. And that comes with a lot of benefits. But it also, I think, creates this illusion that everything is super hectic, super crazy, and super violent, and the world is in flames. And that's just not the case. It's also worth pointing out, too, that in terms of shootings, we hear a lot about gun violence, that mass shootings are on the rise, unfortunately. It should be a surprise to no one. But shootings as a whole um, are down and also at record lows compared to the past 40 years. So but those, you know, that's not something that is is often reported. And so I just wanted to say that when you're when you're thinking about policy and you're thinking about who you're going to vote for, not just the president, but but local elections, governors, what have you. This is what I mean by doing your research. You know, don't let people fear monger you. And I think it's I think it's easy because we are so connected and to just, you know, read a headline and move on with your day. But it's not true. We're we're doing okay, guys. Like we're not all we're not all going mm. to die. And don't yeah. don't don't let don't let the news or a candidate make you believe that they are somehow the solution to all these woes because all they're doing is trying to to build a problem up so that they can seem like they're the only person that can solve it. And they're playing you. Or use it as a distraction for other things that they're trying to hide. And and something yeah. else I've actually noticed is um, local news. Like when I go home and watch the Philly Philadelphia news, it's always a murder leading the news. And I think that's another factor. Um, not so much. It's not only 24 hours news network. It's, it's the locals ones too. For some reason, they love to lead with the with the worst news first. If it bleeds, it leads, as they say in the media. But I don't think that's necessary to lead with that. Anyway. One more positive story before we get to Surprise Bitch and uh, call one of our patrons. Obama wants to put people on Mars by the 2030s. <laughs> Sign my ass say. up. Yeah. Um, yes. He announced here, that the government is going to work with private firms to support astronauts' missions into deep space. And the big goal, the big headline was people on Mars and about... 20-ish years it seems kind of crazy to me given how long it would take to travel to mars um of course one of the big people who is trying to make this happen is elon musk with his spacex program he seems to believe it's possible as well i think that's one of the organizations obama's teaming up with but it's it's just nice to see because of course, it was a very inspiring moment for this country when we put a man on the moon. And as Obama yeah. enters his final hundred days, he's uh, looking at what kind of legacy he can set, what, what things he can do without Congress. <laughs> and this is one of them. I think that's a I think that's a good analogy, though, Andrew, is like back in the 60s, like we in a relatively short time we put a man on the moon mm -hmm. and from the sixties, like if we could have done that, there's, n there, there's no doubt in my mind that we could successfully do it to Mars. Yeah. And it's, and it's cool. And I mean, imagine that televised moment when we all watch that for, for, you know, the first time in our life. Yeah. It's time now for surprise bitch. You know what I haven't done in a while? Played the, the damn music. Mm -hmm. Surprise! 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 Bitch! Laura, 
please pick a number between 129 and 380. 129. <laughs> All right, that is Gabriella. What? She picks up. She's like, you already called me once. <laughs> Hello? Oh, hey. Hello, Gra- Gabriella? Yeah. Surprise, bitch. It's Mario. What's up? Oh my god, no way. Yes, way. Yeah, we're just way. kidding. Way. Just- way. How are you? Hey, Gabby, what's I up? I was literally, I was just explaining this to someone the other day, and I was complaining how you guys have never called me. <laughs> well, <laughs> we heard that conversation, and we decided to fix it. Where are you mm-hmm. in the U.S.? Well, uh, I'm actually in New Jersey. Oh, we're in New Jersey. Andrew, you're from New Jersey. Uh, I'm... Yeah, I'm actually by. I actually just moved to where Angie used to live. I live in Riverton, which is like right by Collingswood, Bedford, Cherry Hill. Oh, okay. I uh, my sister just yeah. got married in Collingswood, and I. By the way, I didn't yeah. black out. Everyone, I did not black out at my sister's wedding. Very proud of that. Nor did I. Throw you blacked up. out when I'm you met so Bruce sad. Springsteen. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, that's cool. So. Everything to me. Obviously, it's been a very big news week. Uh, any thoughts on the debate or the Trump tapes or anything else on your mind? Um, I don't really know. I think that Trump's an idiot, and I can't believe people are really supporting him. I kind of hope that they take him off the ticket, even though they're not allowed to do that. But I think Hillary did okay at the debate. I had to watch it twice just because I drank too much the when it was actually airing so i had to like go back and rewatch it but no i get it i get it were you it's hard were you playing a drinking game or something uh i did during the first debate and then the second debate i just drank a lot of wine oh okay what do you do in new jersey uh i actually work at the collingswood public library oh and i'm going to grad school to be a librarian so i was just doing homework when you guys called oh that's cool (laughs) nice so does that mean you, you read like a thousand books a day uh i read a lot of like homework articles about really boring librarian data stuff and then i have a nice pile of like fiction books that i want to read but never have the time so as a librarian or aspiring librarian have you heard of a series called harry potter oh yeah definitely that's how i started listening to your guys podcast i've been listening to MuggleCast since i was in like high school yeah oh that's awesome uh, as a librarian, what is your position on like ebooks and stuff? Are are you curious about this way the way the industry's going? Do you think uh, physical books are never going to be on the way out, right? Oh, definitely not. Actually, I listen to a ton of book podcasts too, and there's a bunch of studies going around that are, that tell you that like um, print books are going out, ebooks are taking over, and it's like not none of it's ever been true. Um, yeah. Print book sales are actually up. If I'm remembering what i heard correctly i do really like ebooks i think they're great um especially for like younger kids especially yeah. if you bring in textbooks to them so that way you don't have to carry around a million textbooks and then i've seen a lot of like the elderly get super into ebooks because yeah. um it's easier for them to hold a tablet up instead of holding a big like uh patterson novel or anything like that but i think they're really cool i like both of them i read ebooks and I listen to audiobooks and I read print books too. Yeah. Books that really mean a lot to me, like like if like Bruce Springsteen's new book, <laughs> I have t- <laughs> I have two physical copies. Uh, <laughs> one yeah, that I beat off something into. about like there's something about physical books though, like the smell of the paper and yeah. just having something in your hands. It's almost kind of like a vessel into the story. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. I definitely, like, buy a ton of uh, print books. And then, I actually, I was just at Comic-Con, and I had to buy, like, I bought at least four graphic novels. I spent way too much money. But I could have, like, read it online or checked it out from the library. I was like, I need this copy, like, in my life to have. Yeah, you want it on your bookshelf, all that type of thing. Though my well, boyfriend's he, he a didn't big know that you're smart. Right, exactly. My boyfriend's a big reader. He's got two bookshelves in this apartment now. I'm like, uh, you gotta slow it down a little bit because we almost need a third at this point. And I'm just like, look, I like, I admire your interest in reading, but I we're gonna look like a freaking library in another year or two at this rate. Well, so. Andrew, how many That's shelves awesome. do you have full of your going. How many shelves do you have of your Funko figurines? Okay, well, you know, but I mean uh, leave me alone but yeah no i'm not gonna <laughs> discourage him gabrielle not much anyway i like just moved and my fiance had all his board games out but we never played them so i just put them in the basement and brought all my books up nice very nice, oh, so nice. i was like what you what's your kids? favorite but, what's your favorite board game uh uh we play a lot of sellers of Catan, and i really like yes too. sorry yeah, i love sellers of Catan. no we had to stop playing for a while because people got way too competitive and there was like mm-hmm. a lot of screaming going on. It gets violent. <laughs> oh, yeah. Interesting. It's weird. All right, Gabrielle. Thanks for your support. Have a nice Thank night. Thank you guys for calling. There in New Jersey. I'm sorry, Chris- Cr- Christy is governor. You too. Yeah, <laughs> Bye. Have a good night, guys. Bye. 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 Bye, Gabs. All right, good. That was interesting. I love talking books, especially with someone who's really smart with books. We should have asked her yeah, what's her all-time totally, favorite book. I was totally fucking with her about the Harry Potter thing. I don't think that came across. No. Like, was... Oh, I've heard that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, no, she got it. She got it. She just was telling you why. You she know, just wasn't, she wasn't willing thing. to sink to your level. She was not dealing with my shit tonight. It's fine. No, it's fine. I understand where she's coming from. Yeah, we want too. our listeners to deal with our shit. And you can do that by going to millennialshow.com <laughs> and learning more about this podcast that we do every week. Uh, please Sign also up. visit patreon.com slash millennial. On this week's After Dark, which you can get on Patreon, we will be talking about uh, actually something Gabriella touched on a little bit. Changing around the GOP Ooh. ticket. Is it too late? Why is it too late? Why is it not too late? We're going to talk about all of that. And just for fun, one of our uh, AP supporters, Jennifer, wants us to sort the Founding Fathers into Hogwarts houses. And you know Elisa lives for that type of thing. So, Yeah. What's our outro song, Elisa? So this is something fun. This is a Death Cab for Cutie song called, quote, Million Dollar Loan. And this is part of the description. This just came out yesterday. Million Dollar Loan deals with a particularly tone-deaf moment in Donald Trump's ascent to the Republican nomination. While campaigning in New Hampshire, he attempted to cast himself as a self-made man by claiming he built his fortune with just a small loan of a million dollars from his father, etc., etc. Death Cab for Cutie wrote this song. It's a, it's a parody, obviously, making fun of him. It's kind of hysterical. Um, and they, along with like 30 other musicians, have begun this campaign where like every day from now to the rest of the election, they're going to release another song making fun of Donald Trump. That is so cool. I can't wait to hear all these. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Elisa. I'm Laura. And I'm Matt. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. We might see you on the next episode. So
what you've sown from the 